we're about to have a Kodak moment here. Mm. And that's not a great picture time. That's a, <laughs> we are failing to keep up. Welcome to Catalyst, the launch by NTT Data podcast. Catalyst is an ongoing discussion for digital leaders dissatisfied with the status quo and yet optimistic about what's possible through smart technology and great people. Be sure to subscribe in your audio feed and help spread the word on these very worthy discussions. Today, we've got a fantastic guest who has spent nearly a decade or so really, really understanding what it takes to innovate within the enterprise and how to make sure you don't just do it once and get lucky one time, but instead do it programmatically. Trevor Anowitz is an innovation and design strategy executive who has helped over 40 leading brands create and accelerate their growth strategy with a specific lens on programmatic innovation, aka innovation at repeated scale. I'm very excited to welcome Trevor to the Catalyst Studio for the very first time. Trevor, good afternoon, man. How's it going in Michigan? How are you doing today? Hey, Clinton, it's good to be with you. We have had some beautiful weather here and sunny, and now the clouds have set in for fall, but I'm always optimistic with change, and that comes with the season, so we're good here in Michigan. And uh, as I'm in Connecticut, I mean, Michigan and Connecticut, actually, weather-wise, kind of similar, actually. We just get it like uh, about a, a day later. So that's that. But we do get all four seasons and we're sitting in some beautiful weather right now, too. Late fall. It's, it's gorgeous. A beautiful time of year. So very excited about it. And we will be talking about innovation today uh, quite a bit and enterprise innovation at that. How to do it, again, at scale and with just so it's not some one-off silo and, and you happen to get lucky once and the antithesis of that when it actually is a well-thought-out programmatic machine. And we'll, we'll dive into all that. But to get the viewers and the listeners there too, I think they have to understand a bit of your history. It wasn't like you just yeah. woke up in your career one day and were like, oh, that's it. I'm an innovation you know, a guru and I, I know how to do this top to bottom. So where did it stem from? How did you yeah. get to now? And what were some of the core skills and things you, you focused on? And then that aha moment, if there was one to say, ooh, I could apply this stuff and move it into a sphere that you're seeing, which is like a big need, just enterprises like, how the heck can we do this consistently? So give us yeah. the, uh, the backstory, please, the origin. Certainly, there's a, a few of those kind of milestone markers in, in my career and working with our, our customers, but, my background is design, bachelor's of fine arts and communication and interact design. And I've held numerous uh, executive roles within different agencies and consultancy firms. So the trajectory really has been from design director to creative director, uh, to user experience, a product director. And ultimately over the last 10 years, focusing on innovation, as you just said, as a capability within our customers and, and within the industries we serve. And a part of those key milestones is as we were working across any of these different products in terms of the we being our, our teams that were pursuing digital products and experiences and helping invent that next element for our customers. And that may be trying to create more intimate customer experiences that may be getting a, a greater return on R&D. And most definitely it was to combat disruption in both offensive and defensive positions. And mm. when working with these different industries and customers, we found that inside the innovation space, right? Think about innovation as a capability. We saw that there were groups that were inadequate in some ways uh, because they lacked a certain practicality. And that might be 
sort of a purely academic application of innovation, right? So, you know, we're looking for folks who can move at the speed that w- which we need to uh, drive and, and a better appreciation of some of those dynamics. We found that there are opportunities to uh, see some great thought leadership out there, but many uh, opportunities for corporations to find consultancy and or advisory and or partners to innovate. We're looking at groups that maybe have done it before, but it's it's more about them than it is the we, you know, mm. more of like positioning a book, if you will, and great for inspiration, but not necessarily a partner to take it to the long journey of thinking very entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial, whether it may be inside or outside of an organization. And last, recognizing that we needed to provide more than advice and we needed teams that could galvanize around an idea and really take that through the different types of sensing and experimentation, operationalization and scale. And we had to be able to do it ourselves. So being a part of an organization that could spin off companies and have done so successfully was a part of not only uh, being authentic with our, our partners, but you know, really walking the walk, if you will. So those are some of the key milestones in terms of seeing the kind of need uh, working with our customers across these different services. And you know, I was sitting down with a brand and one of the conversations we had, this was about a decade ago, where they looked at me and said, we're about to have a Kodak moment here. Mm. And that's not a great picture time. That's a, <laughs> we are failing to keep up with what needs to be. And I remember not having all the tools that I think the client needed and that we needed to support them in that innovation effort. And I think that was a turning point for me to take that design background and really think about it from a strategic perspective, from an operations perspective in a way to create that more sustainable innovation within the organizations that we serve. Yeah, super cool how it led into that for you because the, the background, the, the history and the doing it with the, the client focus and doing things that are nuanced and doing things that are uh, not one-off, like programmatic level. And then being able to, when you felt that pain, like you said, the client's talking to you about, about a codec moment that they were trying to avoid, but feeling they, they were probably careening into like a black hole's got them and there's no escaping it. And then you had that little bit of the, the flux capacitor moment where it's like, wait, if yeah. we were to do this, then we we need these systems in place so that for your sake, it's also not a one-off. Like you just, you're not successful one time with the client and then you got to go recreate everything and make it bespoke versus mm-hmm. having a way, not that it's not malleable. Of course it's malleable. Oh, yeah. Everybody's innovation is going to be you know, their own path forward with their own customers and their own goals. However, a system or a platform that you can improve and and tinker with for each client, that sounds like that was a bit of a watershed moment for you. So you could go from, okay, I think we can be valuable to wait. We can be valuable and do it over and over for myriad clients, which I think is really cool. One thing, Trevor, too, that I want to, I want to get to is Innovation gets thrown around a lot. The word gets thrown around a lot, sometimes too much, in fact. So people can sometimes be a little jaded about it. Oh, yeah. And when that happens, you know, with a word in society, what tends to happen is, well, it loses value, right? Because it it is thrown around too much. It's depreciated. So I've heard you talk about innovation very precisely before, and I think you have a great definition of it. So could you share that with the audience? Because I think it's a great way to really hone in on if I were to say, hey, how do you define innovation? What do you say? Yeah, well, it's part process and output, right? The market will tell you if you're truly innovative. But ultimately, from a process perspective, your goal from an innovation perspective is to hunt and harvest opportunities that are new, novel, and valuable. 
And that's as like, you know, as simple as I can put it, you're seeking those opportunities that meet those criteria of new, novel, and valuable. And ultimately, there are a lot of different measures that you can do in that process. That might be a number of ideas, the velocity through a pipeline, the number of patents, the partnerships and collaborations, diversity of insights, et cetera. But it really boils down to dollars created or saved. And so we try to keep it very simple working with our customers. And in fact, if we can break down that word to those concepts of hunting and harvesting or discovery and delivery, whatever folks are a little bit more comfortable with, that is the core action and the core skill set we're trying to create. And the goal is that new, novel, and valuable opportunities. Yeah, I'd love to break it down further with a couple of those things. So hunting versus harvesting or hunting and harvesting. Can you give me an example of each yeah. from a you know a client perspective? Absolutely. So inside any innovation effort, we all have been there before. In fact, and we'll tell you a little bit about some of the insights into where organizations struggle and where they don't. And one of the areas they do not struggle with is ideas, right? So many organizations, and this is one reason why we wanted to systematize an approach to innovation and to validating and vetting these types of ideas in a systematic way that could be inclusive and apply you know, we'll call it governance for sure, but it yeah. really means that we're applying a sensible way for an organization to have continuity on how they envision their pipeline decision-making processes for goes and no-goes, as well as their portfolio. So that means just like any investment, whether it be aggressive or not, the hunting process is the type of sensing and experimentation that has to be done to help develop the early concepts, hypothesis, and, and understanding some of those unmet needs or new opportunities and what that might mean to your current market or your current product and whether it have adjacencies or transformational opportunities. So you're, you're hunting to help give yourself more knowledge and confidence around those types of concepts. And a part of why we try to systematize it, because as soon as you have more than one idea or concept, you have to be able to bring a distinctive sharp eye for pruning and understanding what those opportunities are. And maybe I'm mixing my metaphors there with pruning and hunting and harvesting. But when you start to cross that chasm, the goal then is to find where you can seek that value. And so the reason why I like those words instead of discovery and, and delivery is, yes, we have to deliver it. Yes, you have to be able to bring in the technical abilities, especially depending on the newness of the technology. You have to be able to break it down from a business perspective. You have to be able to attach it to the corporate strategy. You have to be able to understand what kind of competencies are inside of an organization to help bring these things to light, whether they be there or not, you know, is that inside, outside, et cetera. And also how does it resonate with your core demographics and users? And so the harvesting really speaks to, we are trying to uh, pursue innovation, not for a scientific experiment sake or for tech for tech sake. We want to harvest this for the business. We want to create something that becomes an asset or a future benefit to our customers. And so that's why it's a very active hands-on contact sport, if you will, mm -hmm. because it's always um, inside, you know, comfortable areas because we are asking the organization to think about something different than its day-to-day -day operations. Yeah. And in the definition you had, uh, I think it was new, novel, and valuable also. And then you yeah. were touching on harvesting and making sure it is connected to business value. When you are uh, defining that with a client for the first time or reinforcing it with them, that idea of value, what are you focused on? Like, you know, because there's Lots of companies do innovative efforts, but very often mm -hmm. they, they don't seem to to actually end up connecting. It, it, at the end of the day, it's, it can be hollow. 
So when you're talking with, with the clients about value, how do you define that? And, and what's the importance of defining that word with them? Well, value is absolutely critical because what innovation programs sometimes do is that they they make the rest of the organization think that this is the, the pool for you know fun to happen and they right. get to explore new technologies and tinker and play and they don't have necessarily the same type of uh, results-oriented pressures at some other parts of the organization. And, and what usually happens then in austerity times or difficult times is that innovation is usually decommissioned out of the enterprise. And in, in many ways, you know, innovation is already engineered sort of out of an enterprise just because it's so focused on its performance and productivity metrics. And so measuring is extremely important. And it is one of the hardest things for the organization to do. So in our work with, with different customers, with our surveys, and uh, when it comes to working with tech leaders, we found that from a challenge to the enterprise, as I mentioned earlier, developing new ideas isn't necessarily a harder part. It's actually measuring the impact of those innovation activities is really one of the, the hardest things that it takes. And you also see that dedicating time and budget and prioritizing against other needs is the challenge for companies that are driving innovation. So the other components is they recognize also the systems that would help support that. But you see a big drop when asked, you know, do you identify that as a, a core value? And then almost a 40% drop in any of the surveys that we've conducted. So there's a cognitively understanding that we need a system, but not really having that capability. And that's why we want to close that gap. And measuring it is so critical. So what happens often is, you know, when you're dealing with something brand new, it's, it's very nascent. And so what you're capable of doing usually is articulating the value, not necessarily calculating the value. And that's okay. And that's a part of the front end of, of any innovation is we have to be able to uh, put those hypotheses on the table to understand what we think is possible by doing so, we begin to give ourselves an avenue to break down what we think the levers and logic are. And we can then break that down into areas that we can begin to, at an atomic level, inside any of the projects we're doing. And it's easier sometimes inside process innovation, but we can begin to do the value calculation, not just articulation, and start to align that with business and how we communicate that. So it's, it's very critical because uh, oftentimes with innovation cycles, you see that there's kind of fits and starts and it's discontinuous and it, it inhibits like a company-wide growth, especially if you're not able to articulate what it may mean in terms of value for the organization. And in some ways it can, you know, be a sideshow right. and that's not what we want. We want this to be something that, as I said earlier, when times are tough, we need our innovation team. We want to enhance that kind of go from a low innovation culture to a higher innovation culture. So we can make sure that we have Instead of no measurements, we have a distinct way to measure these elements uh, and doing so with the system. So we want to make sure we're working with account teams. We work with controllers inside any of our uh, different teams to help validate those different areas. We call it value infusion methodology, but it's, it's really critical for as an innovation enabler to have a capability around defining what the value process looks like within execution, within the different measurement systems, within the organ integration and making sure that in the end, we're looking at what kind of adequate investment levels are, are needed to pursue those types of opportunities. I think the piece there, you know, you mentioned a couple of times in there that like, hey, you know, when times are leaner, when times are tough, if you're grounded, and this is going to be a bit of a, a oxymoron, but if you're grounded in vaporware, when times do get tough and the budgets are are shrinking or at least not accelerating, then 
an innovation program that's grounded in vaporware, it's very easy for it to disappear. And the impact of the business won't really be probably realized. Probably like, oh, we just saved money, you know, essentially, right? And then flipping that script too, how are you talking with clients? Because right now, the question is like, right now, times are tougher. You know, there are layoffs and, and it's not a growth moment for many organizations. So with the clients that you're in with or, the, or even the prospects you're talking to like right now, what are those conversations like when um, you are either already embedded with the program and or talking to a new prospect about like, hey, while it may be a bit leaner, why is now actually a time to accelerate something like a, a more robust innovation program? Right. So one of the top things we're always looking at is the economic impact, right? And that's part yeah. of our innovation operating system is really built on our strategy, uh, which helps galvanize where we need to go, what the aims of the organization are, how we articulate that charter, also understanding some of the resources, et cetera. So we've got strategy as one component. The innovation management systems are really at the core, right? And we can look at how that's supported by your organization. And a really important component is the communication. And maybe that's in the form of change management. In some ways, it's a, a form of kind of internal marketing. It's almost as if you think about these, these new opportunities as independent operating units and that you've got to find a way to champion them. Mm-hmm. And then surrounding strategy and the systems and the organization and communication, we are very keen to understand the infrastructure that supports innovation as a capability. So that would be thinking about infrastructure, like your physical infrastructure, your digital infrastructure. That means it may be systems to help track these ideas, the uh, enterprise uh, systems or records for these types of management portfolios. It may be the types of collaboration tools that, uh, you know, in the pandemic opened up a tremendous amount more of virtual kind of communication and online workshops and tools. And then, of course, the business units themselves. And so those components are where we really focus on from strategy, organization, communication, innovation management layers, and from an economic impact and understanding their risk profile, understanding where that top management commitment may lie. Those are components that help to understand some of our you know, risk profiles within these organizations. But when it comes down to thinking about that value and how important our, our teams are inside organizations to help them, as I said earlier, combat disruption, create more intimate and valuable customer experiences, transform where, where they're currently uh, conducting their business. I think about what we're doing at one of our programs. They're a top 10 energy company. And what we're really happy to be able to explain every year, we have an identified lifetime value. And right now that's over half a billion dollars in terms of what we've been able to identify in our sense and experimentation phases. In just one year, you know, we could process over 30 to 40 different projects and we're serving across an entire spectrum of business units. So over 15 different business units. So we are in some ways providing an internal service to those organizations and business units to attack some of the most challenging elements of the area. So, and, you know, I talked about that new novel and valuable. Well, sometimes new is on a spectrum. It doesn't necessarily mean it's new to the world. It could be new to your market or industry. It may be new to your, your organization. It may be new to your product, right? So that's part of that, that portfolio definition and, and some of the areas that inform our strategy. But being able to uh, explicitly talk about the type of value that we're driving as well as the speed that we're driving, we found that organizations were working with other parts, including some of the dependencies within their technology leaders. Uh, we were typically moving about six times faster than most of, of the other programs in terms of uh, that speed to value proposition. So when you have a system for innovation where 
it is innately uh, has more ambiguity, more complexity, more uh, challenges. That's exactly where these types of programs provide value. But if we're not able to speak in terms of what the business language of finance uh, teams, then we are not going to make a uh, impact. So it's a part of that technology arm that's very much complemented by that financial lens. Yeah, and I think uh, the things you're you're saying all lead me to think about the word that this is mature. This is for the enterprise. We love startups. Startups bring a ton to the ecosystem, tons of energy, tons of uh, obviously great ideas and go to market. And then, you know, and then very often they disrupt and, and then you get fast follows and people want to go go chase what they're doing because they, they've cracked something new. With that, though, this innovation OS, the innovation operating system, as you said, is good for the enterprise. And back on that measurement part, you threw out some great metrics there with that with that energy company and the alignment, totally get it with, with the business and with the finance team. But what's it like when you're, how much time and what's it like when you are establishing those KPIs? Because that's that takes work, right? Because I feel like without it, well, then how the heck can you measure? How can you go back and say right. this did or did not, you know, do what, what our goal, how could you even have goals? So how much time is spent there and what's that like? Because I think when people think about innovation, they just maybe aren't thinking about this aspect of it because it's not the front of the house. And when we think about that next big breakthrough, yeah. this is something that is behind the curtains, if you will. However, again, back to an enterprise without it, well, then how could you measure? How could you say this was or was not successful? So who's in that room right. and what's that KPI process like? I know it's going to differ, but how would you bring people through that to say, yeah. well, this is who should be at the table talking about that? Yeah. So first there's a there's a structure that we have to think about, which is innovation at a project level, right? So yeah. that's an initiative that we want to you know move all the way through identification, experimentation, operationalization. Uh, and scale. And, and that's equivalent to what you would see either like inside of an organization with those typical words. But, you know, on the outside, if it were a startup, you would see, you know, a series A, et cetera. You'd see initial beachheads and market traction, et cetera. So we follow some similar operational approaches, but different because we are an enterprise. We have different considerations to consider. When it comes to that value proposition, we move from that project level to a pipeline uh, level. So yeah. we're managing multiple projects that are moving through those different stage gates. So we're able now to compare at uh, an attribute level that's assigned at a project of what decision-making criteria and maturity of an idea based on current hypothesis, current evidence level. So we call that knowledge and confidence to, to make better predictable decisions and what kind of tools that we're using. So at a project level, we're informing that with tools that ultimately help us make decisions at a pipeline perspective. So we're, mm -hmm. we can stage gate different projects individually. We can do that in batches or essentially understand those, those concepts in parallel. And those are also then informing that portfolio. So you can see where those attributes begin to inform both at an executive level and for the team what the overall investment portfolio looks like. In order to mature all of those, we need a program level, right? So you can think about that a program level there's a portfolio level, there is that pipeline level, and at the project level. Yeah. By the way, a lot of this, you know, you don't want to create innovation theater through just process. That's one of the different, you know, dangers too. So when working with organizations, we're always flying the plane and swapping out seats and engines, et cetera, to improve. But we must be keeping a certain altitude and we must be moving forward. And that means projects that are, are moving forward in terms of where we're investigating those net new, valuable, novel opportunities. 
So we want to translate those uh, attributes at the project up through the portfolio level uh, that help inform our strategy and our objectives and key results. We want to look at how we're collecting those attributes to enable tracking and visualization of those innovation initiatives. So these are you know important visibility into uh, what's happening. It also helps if we have a team of engineers working on different things. It helps take you know subject matter experts and give them the tools and discipline to take time and energy towards what they're great at, the engineering and the pursuit of different potential applications and applied technologies, and allow the system to take off some of the burden of communication and some of the, the overall management. We can integrate software to support that so that may be leveraging their ERPs or their systems of record. Uh, it may be bringing in other uh, tools that can help and aid that. We can leverage then more of an analytical perspective and extract insights. Again, very important when we're working with ultimately these programs typically ladder up to CIOs, chief strategy officers, and CEOs. So that's it's critical. Uh, we can coordinate and make decisions better as a, in terms of our planning cycles. And then, of course, iterate the improvements both at the program level and then into the projects themselves. So those attributes, then we can look at you know, innovation ambition. We can look at the pipeline itself. We can look at the prioritizations. We can look at risk. Uh, we can look at benefits. We can see the type of speed to value in terms of the aging of these different ideas, uh, some of which, by the way, you, know, you, you have different stage gates, which aren't always a go, no-go. They can be a, a pause in some instances. So we usually say it's a proceed, a pause, a pivot, or a purge. So you're getting things out of the pipeline, or maybe you're saying we're a little too in front of the market, or we're a little too in front of the technology, but we want to monitor this. So that becomes a part of that pause strategy, right? So those are the elements that uh, we work with to help. And along the way, there's always those, I touched a little bit on the, the, the dimensions of what we do. And the viability is one of those different areas in terms of what we think this will pan out to from a financial perspective. And there's different principles that we would use and do that. But we're also applying across the technology and the user base, and the competencies and the strategic alignment within organizations. Yeah. Again, just the word of the day for me is that the maturity of, of all this applied to the enterprise so that it could serve it because there there is a lot of nuance to innovation within within sometimes a, a company that's been around for 200 years and they have a right. thing they do and they're, they're really good at it. And you can't just disrupt what they're good at. They're going to market for maybe you know several decades or like I said, a couple hundred years and they're making bank and yet they have to keep growing. So I really appreciate the nuance and the layering of, of all this information because it starts to paint a picture of what uh, Innovation OS as, as an offering uh, really can do. And you had a word in there a couple of times too, like that word, which I love the phrase of innovation theater and reasons to avoid that and things that could happen, even like resentment within the enterprise if, if things are just for the sake of show. And one of the things that, that I think about too is how do you govern when you talk with different clients? Like what one company might consider highly innovative for them right? Might be kind of mundane for a different company in a different industry at a different time. How do you have those kind of conversations with people? Because look, a a bank, my local bank might not need an AR, VR uh, checking application. That might be innovation theater, right? Like why the heck would I use AR, VR to, to do something like that? So how do you govern those conversations to find out how the client says to you, okay, this is yeah. what we consider innovative. And then how do you guide them if they are either over their skis or being a bit too, uh, you know, a bit too like, hey, there's, there's more meat on the bone there. You actually could push this further. Yeah. 
So earlier we said the definition of innovation for us is it's new, it's novel, and it's valuable. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about like the variety that can happen with new, what that means. So you could be taking your technology and putting together some iterative changes and updates to that technology or that service or that product offering. And you may be doing this for the same market that you serve today, right? Some of it may be keeping up with the time. Some of it may be trying to find that avenue of producing greater value and therefore creating an opportunity to take more of that market share. So that's in your core. If you're thinking about starting to move into more uh, aggressive and potentially risky spaces, that might mean that you're starting to think about adjacent technologies that you want to serve your existing market. You may even want to be thinking about maybe taking your existing product services and and how that might serve uh, an adjacent market. And then if you're really looking to be more aggressive, it could be something that you're thinking about addressing an altogether new path, a new technology, a new product or services, and applied to altogether a new market and services. And we've we've done that before with organizations, and that's really a part of your, your strategy, right? So every time we set up one of our programs, the first step of what we do, we call the customize phase. And yes, it includes discovery and learning and putting the bigger picture together. But we say customized because new will mean something different for every organization. All the gardens are different that we want to plant this seed in. We're trying to create a sense of operational excellence or innovation, which, by the way, is very different than running the rest of the business. And so that's a key area of, of helping think about that spectrum of what innovation and what new means to to them and to their organization. No wrong answers in that regard. Right, right. There may not be wrong answers, but there's a really good process to get to get to effective answers, and that that's what you're that's what you're detailing there. And you mentioned, uh, you know, hey, where you'll go do the innovation or the efforts there, they are different than the ones that are running the traditional business. Which I would I would encourage listeners of the podcast to go back. There was an episode with uh, with Chris and Gina as the host where we had author uh, Jeffrey Moore on, and he was talking about the, uh, his zone to win principles and how you can create these different types of zones, like an incubation zone versus the productivity zone, where you could honor what the enterprise does and how it creates uh, the current value while uh, setting up a zone that is funded, that is measured, that is tied to the business, not some silo you know, off to the side with just the cool kids that never gets tethered back in. However, structurally still like financially it is set aside as a different zone so it can be like like you framed it really nice term its own garden its own place that that things can grow or like you said decide to purge them or decide to pause them and and govern that a bit differently so i definitely encourage uh, our listeners to go back and listen to that one i want to double down on yeah uh, please double down on that with with uh making sure jeffrey moore's conceptual version of looking at those zones to win is, is a really important concept if you're thinking about you know bringing in an innovation program to your organization or accelerating your types of skill sets within that. That's oftentimes we find is that we're dealing with organizations who have identified it, they have an aspiration for it, but they're either starting a new team or they've had fits and stops in the past and they really need to get that maturity so it, it has more stability in the long run. So we typically see a three to five X, uh, you know, acceleration in terms of ability to get these programs stood up. And for Jeffrey's concept around the, the performance zone, productivity zone, transformation zone, and what we're really talking about is that incubation zone. And even just a little bit to the left or right of it is like an experimentation zone too. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where you can start to give the time and space for next generation experiences. You can sense and re- respond to some of the what's happening in the market, start to extend the organization because oftentimes uh, organizations will essentially give folks kind of a side job to you know think about this innovation idea or invite them to a hackathon. You, you know, you asked me about the innovation theater a little bit earlier. Well, you know, sometimes those things start to ring hollow with the organization and, and have that kind of negative effect because people get excited. We want to feel that kind of actualization of our businesses, of our careers, and of our contributions uh, into the world. And when when we give an opportunity to potentially think about it, but not actually take it into fruition or see it take actual root inside of the organizations we serve, it can have a negative effect. And, and we've seen that before too, where, yeah. where folks start to really overuse the word innovation and then go, oh, we got to pay this off now, not only to our internal customers, but even to the street or to their customer base. Yeah. I've seen that too in my career. And one of the pods I'd done previously on this podcast was about this concept of how sometimes design can actually be cruel in the sense that if you're just designing for the sake of it, for the sake of the the sizzle, and you're not thinking about the technology or it's really something that's never going to come to market, well, you can, you can get a lot of people really jazzed and excited, but at the end of it, they, they're going to be like, well, that that's not going to happen. Or you're going to cry right. wolf and be like, well, this person's not going to deliver. And that can create that resentment and mistrust in the organization, yeah. which is the exact opposite that you want to build when you want to get to an actual culture of innovation where there's follow through yeah. and there's recognized impact. And they are, um, and they're kind of worlds apart. And and Trevor, I did want to spin this too to a bit more tactical because you said earlier, hey, ideas are not the problem. You know, ideas from a volume perspective, ideas from a potential value, like you know, almost like potential energy perspective, that's not the problem. At the front end of an innovation funnel, there might be a glut of really good ideas. And you know, know, knowing that you've got a very mature way of looking at the whole spectrum of innovation, how the heck can you guide people to say, let's say there's a mm-hmm. big volume of ideas. What's, I'm sure it's not gut. It, is, it, is it mathematical? Basically, how do you take something that could be subjective, oh, my spidey sense is tingling versus objective measure. And how do you move that forward? What kind of advice would you give folks yeah. uh, to, to focus there? So inside our own maturity indexes that we help with organizations in their prioritization of portfolios, so finding alignment, adoption, and then where they're, they're helping their decision-making and defining the portfolio views, filters, reporting, et cetera. We use a tools in a framework that helps uh, and this is, I think, something that's unique within our offering is a quantification and ranking system. So these ideas can come in and be kind of immediately enumerated across five core dimensions for every time. And so that allows us to help score these and weight these and also balance them with the level of evidence we have to back whatever we're, our um, hypothesis might be at the time versus uh, you know how strong the evidence may be. So that's that's one in particular area we do see just like we can suffer from you know tech debt and things like that when you open up pipelines and you're pursuing open innovation programs and you're soliciting from different groups you can have an idea overload as well mm-hmm. and what happens is that team just gets burdened and you don't want to have a, just a suggestion box or just open forums and and sort of hackathons for hackathons sake you've got yeah. to come in and bring that way to think about what you're you're going to prioritize so that has to happen up front. Um, sometimes we come into organizations where we have to help them sort of clean out that closet and kind of like, okay, we've been hoarding ideas here. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, but we have no idea 
And so you've, you've got to have to start with either cleaning that up and then starting in with some of those systems that help, again, assign these attributes and help uh, begin to see what they are. And, and that depends, too, on what kind of volume your pipelines and capacity could have because right. we'll work with teams that are two dozen team, you know, team members inside their organization, complemented potentially by our own, and then teams that are much smaller. So uh, as you said earlier, all different shapes and sizes. Yeah, very cool. And then I wouldn't say it's the opposite side of it because I don't think that's a, a fair picture, but you talked about strategy, uh, management systems, and then comms, including OCM in there as well. Another element that I think folks maybe just maybe don't think about when, when they think innovation is the idea of like internal communication, internal marketing. So when is it the right time or really the, the most effective time to use a little little marketing, right? And what are you trying to do? Is it, is it to get fervor? Is it to get fanfare? Buy-in? Like what? when should marketing be a part of the comm strategy? And how do you partner with executives yeah. to, to apply something that usually is external, right? External marketing and internalize that for an innovation yeah. program? So I think of it in some way as, you know, inside the organization, we're working to manage up. We're also managing down in terms of you know soliciting and understanding those groundswell of ideas and opportunities. And there's inside communication and then there's outside communication. So you could think of that like we're, we're talking senior leadership or management or the program itself or staff levels. And then on the outside, you start to think about you know, press, opportunities, et cetera. And much of what we're doing is we're still planting seeds and a lot of that stuff is happening inside. Mm. But when you've got an idea, you're, again... Innovation is very fragile, so you want to make sure that you're sharing uh, the progress with the organization. As I mentioned earlier, my ability to talk about some financial impacts that we've had within the utility we serve, uh, that is because we're able to create annual reports, quarterly reports, et cetera. So we, we have a big emphasis on that executive communications. But with innovation, we're talking about sometimes things that are very visionary. Still, they're coming, you know, they're forward. So yeah. we have to be able to have a, a, essentially as a capability on that team is communication. And so if you look at our team, it's very cross-talented in terms of the uh, organization. We've got folks that are multidisciplinary. They come from either business or venture capital or academic and film, advertising, marketing, creative agencies, consultancies, et cetera, all because we have to tell these stories to help bring this thing to life. And to do that, sometimes we, we or almost every time, we have to tell a, a more robust story. And so it's, it becomes a skill set. It's not marketing yeah. your traditional sense, right, right. but it does fall on those different areas. That might just mean that we go with a video versus a PowerPoint to disseminate across a very large organization. That's the kind of elements that just help us make sure that we're championing these ideas. Yeah. And again, it's, it's the nuance and it's looking at the whole thing as this ecosystem. So, um, so that when you have the effective ideas that are coming, that are coming down there, they're getting green lit, you're giving them the very best opportunity to have that, what we're after market impact. And, mm -hmm. you know, cause what we're doing here and what you're, what you're leading, it is innately risky because this is innovation. And many, yes. many times it's like you said, it's brand new. So yeah. of course they're not all going to hit. So it, it's, to me, it's just about maximizing yeah. the opportunity for the most to hit, given the fact that this is still a tough thing to do anyway. And at the enterprise level, I think that's what it's all about. It's like getting the right volume yeah. so that over a longer horizon, 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, whatever it is, you could look back and be like, yeah, we, we do have a cadence of success here, but it's because you've got this way to procure them over the long haul, which I think is really, really yeah. cool. There's one, one important thing too, Clinton, that I think for listeners, 
if you're thinking about, you know, hey, maybe I'm tracking along, this makes sense, but why is this so important for innovation inside enterprises? It's because I, I just want to reiterate that innovation is often counterintuitive for enterprises. We talked a little bit about when, when you mentioned the zones to win with yeah. Jeffrey Moore, but oftentimes enterprises are, it's almost engineered out of the organization for obvious reasons. It's that performance and productivity zones for operational excellence the consistency that this might conflict with like predictable or historical business measures, that this is more of a long-term view than it is short-term, that we need a certain amount of standards for this type of practice, right? That we can move faster. We have to be more potential focused and flaw focused, right? We have to be able to really kind of move these ideas and create trust instead of that. If we see a failure, if we see these elements don't pan out, that we know that's a part of the process. And there needs to be oftentimes a willingness to give up the past to help pursue that future. And there can be very much core business blinders and blockers. You know, I would just remind our listeners that these programs help face those challenges of where it can be very counterintuitive for the enterprises to help uh, these opportunities thrive. Yeah, I think that the big core thing for me here is that for those change agents, for those those folks inside the enterprise that are either C-suite or burgeoning and want to get to the C-suite, having that right partnership, because all the things you talked about on, on a program and orchestrating all those things, they're there so that, again, you're putting it all in the best opportunity for long-term sustained mm-hmm. success. And there's going to be antibodies and there's going to be things you have to mm-hmm. you have to battle through. So doing it programmatically, always focused on business relevance, business value, and having that long view partner along, along for the ride. It, again, startup world versus what an enterprise has to do to actually win and, and win over and over again with innovation. They're really, really different. So I love that you drew out all the, those stark contrasts and provided that to us today. So Trevor, thanks for being on with us on Catalyst, where we believe fast will follow smooth and aiming to create digital experiences that move millions is a very worthy pursuit. Join us next time as the pursuit continues on Catalyst, the launch by NTT Data Podcast. Trevor, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Thank you, listeners.